0: This is season eight of the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast.
1: I'm D.L. Mayfield.
0: I'm Crispin Mayfield.
1: And this season we're talking about the thorniest, maybe horniest subject we've ever done, Christian romance. Are you ready, Crispin?
0: I don't think I am, but here we go. so excited about this episode because you are talking about the Christy Miller series, yeah. which is a series of teen girl romance books from folks on the family. What else
1: do you know about Christy Miller?
0: Crispin? Uh, I'm curious. That she has French braids. What? I don't know. That's in my mind. She's like... Did you read that? <laughs> no. I just... In my mind, she, she has... has French she has French braids. hair. Yes.
1: I don't know if that ever happens in the
0: books. (laughs) Obviously, I didn't read them,
1: but like they were in your life peripherally.
0: Yes, uh huh. Okay, tell X Wayne. I have two younger sisters. Uh Pretty sure my youngest sister did not read them, but my guess is that one of them did.
1: Yes, one of your sisters was obsessed with them. I don't know how you don't know this. (laughs) I
0: know because it didn't have. I didn't know such. I didn't have the visceral reaction, but I was like, "Is that the thing that like when we went to stay at her house?" Yes.
1: Well, you just ruined that bit of mine, so Um. you know nothing. That's why I had to find somebody really cool to talk to about the Christy Miller books. I'm so excited. I'm so excited because it's Erin Moon, who I'm obsessed with, from the Bible Binge, part of the Popcast Media Group. I'm a huge fangirl, so can't believe she came and talked to us about, well, talked to me about um, one particular Christy Miller book, and we do get into... The weeds. And is just the perfect person to have a conversation where we can be silly, funny, and then also it's like, okay, this is this is actually really big deal stuff. So perfect. But yeah, what what did you want to say before we dive into yeah, this? Yeah,
0: so um I I was so glad that you talked about these books. There are some themes around dating and I am preparing for our episode to talk about I Kiss Dating Goodbye and then the books that followed that about the real biblical way to get hitched. And <laughs> Um, so, but one of the things that stood out to me was this idea you talked in this episode about, you know, you're not supposed to actually emotionally invest in someone until you know for sure you're getting married, yeah. right? We're going to talk all about that and how that ties into purity culture when we talk about those Christian dating books, you know, non-dating yeah. books. But here's my question. Were you told that it was wrong to pray with someone of the opposite gender because of the spiritual bond it would create between you two, if you were not married yet. Oh, I don't know. I totally was told that.
1: Well, oh, well, I just—I don't think I ever would have. <laughs> Boys were not on my level. I mean, now that I think about it, I, I thought nobody was on my level. It's very <laughs> wild to unpack my life now that I have a new level of self-awareness, and it's just wild, but. I think what's interesting is Christy Miller is um, like basically the fictionalized version of the books you're going to be talking about in a future episode. Right. The I Kissed Goodbyes, like all those we know what we were getting into reading them. Right. This is a book that's going to tell me how to date or approach relationships Mm -hmm. in a high control religious Christian environment. Uh, Christy Miller was the same thing, but it was fictionalized. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just one thing I want to point out here.
0: Yeah. And I think that something that you two talk about that I really appreciated is like the themes that I see in these books, which is like if we're going to talk about dating or romance we have to talk about how is god first in your life and you're making sure you're doing mm-hmm. everything to put god first and are you doing enough and are you devoted enough and are you dedicated enough
1: are you a super christian or not
0: right exactly mm-hmm. and that like gets wrapped into these conversations about romance for obvious reasons um but i'm so glad that you talked about like that was the dilemma i liked hearing aaron talk about relating to that aspect mm-hmm. so
1: yeah so uh, the interviews—it's not short, but it's like delightful every part of it. So, hang on for that. And uh, real quick, we will be doing a patron-only podcast episode this month for July, and we are doing a basically like a five-year-in state of the union state of the podcast uh we're taking it back old school and we are gonna just literally be talking about focus on the family (laughs) right yes that's how we started this podcast um so and honestly christy miller was published by focus on the family so today's episode is also about focus on the family Mm -hmm. um it's like you listen to adventures in odyssey and then if you're you're a girl you read christy miller Mm -hmm. so
0: and yeah, with this with this Patreon only episode, we're going to talk about the rift that is happening between people like us that grew yeah, up with Yeah, if you're focus listening to this
1: podcast, you maybe quite possibly, right, have some relational rifts with your parents if they raised you like deeply embedded in white evangelicalism. I'm just going to You know, spitball here. (laughs) That there's some (laughs) listeners in that position. Right. So that's what we're gonna be talking about. Patreon only and you know, it's a dollar fifty to join. Just join us. You know, that's it's easy peasy. Come
0: join us. Yeah. Without further ado, Aaron Moon talking with you about Christy Miller.
1: Christy Miller. Well, this is a dream come true for me. I get to talk to Aaron Moon. This is a dream come um, true for me. Oh my gosh, one of my favorite podcasters. So you know, I have a parasocial relationship with you in my
2: mind, not to freak you out, Aaron. No, I think we, I think we now have a real relationship. Like, well, that's true. I mean, I think like we text now, and I think, I think, I think we've moved on. I think we're there. Yeah, we've- but
1: I'm still like. I can't text Aaron as much as I would like to. No, you can. I need to just You should open be that cool. floodgate. I need to be chill. You know what I mean? Like, You should open that floodgate. No. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just so excited you wanted to talk to me today because it's sort of a niche thing, though not as niche as I once assumed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but before we get into that, just really quick, you podcast over at the Bible Binge. That's right. You're an integral part of what? Is called the Popcast Media Group. That's right. uh, To the outsiders, but to the insiders, you're just like our queen of. both normalcy and yet the most perfect rants I've ever heard when it comes to both <laughs> pop culture and theology. Thank I mean, you. you do it all, Aaron. You do That's it all.
2: Really nice. Do like nothing, I fan. do nothing well. So <laughs> I do everything at like a, and it's like 75%. I'm not going to allow you to slander
1: yourself right <laughs> well, now. Okay, That's not true. You're amazing. And uh, what I asked you, I was like, would you be up for like reading and talking about a Christy Miller book, you were like, I'm all in.
2: Oh, heck yes. I am so in. I loved Christy Miller when I was growing up. I mean, hardcore. I was oh a hardcore gosh. fan.
1: I mean, This is amazing. You never know because it's one of these weird things about growing up in like a christian subculture you just truly don't know how many people read that so yeah before we get into all of that i'm just gonna say a few things about the christy miller series for yes. people who have never you know heard of it or anything Buckle and, up
2: everyone it's about I want to you, get wild I
1: want you, i'll try and sum it up and then i want you to sort of like jump in where you hear me you know okay things. Okay. okay so Robin Jones Gunn was a Christian woman who was, like, working with teen girls in the Mm mid-80s. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going on a deep dive here. No, I'm ready. Like, I (laughs) I have my
2: scuba gear on, and I am ready. Okay, okay. So, Robin Jones Gunn
1: is, like, with these teen girls. They're, like, 13 years old. She's trying to be a good Christian mentor in the mid-80s. They're, like, sleeping in tents. And she noticed the books they're reading. And she's very worried, Erin, because... They're kind of sexy books.
2: Like, is this like a a V.C. Andrews situation? I don't know. She doesn't name names. So then we're left
1: to imagine, you know, what kind of romance books were 13-year-old girls reading in 1986? I I don't know. I was two. But it's got (laughs) to be those kind of, like, romance books that you could buy at the grocery store. Because that was, like, a big way that people especially women used to buy books, pass them down to their daughters. So Robin Jones Gunn is like, guys, I don't think these are good for like our spirits. And the girls were like, then why don't you write something for us to read? There's nothing And Robin
2: out there. Jones Gunn, like a G, was like, all right, I will. I'll yeah. do it. And that I'll was like
1: it. the Lord's calling on her life. She wrote her first book, which was the Christy Miller book. Uh, she had her grandma read it. Her grandma was like, this is in 1988. And her grandma's like, this is exactly the kind of things I dealt with as someone who, you know, was born in the 1800s. Like, this is timeless. This is a classic. the (laughs) The late 1800s is when her grandma was born. Oh, my gosh. And so Robin Jones Gunn is like, oh, my gosh. Okay. And so she ends up partnering with Focus on the Family to launch their first ever line of teen fiction. So before Robin Jones Gunn, there was no such thing as like Christian YA. Oh, wow. So this is it, Erin. This is the birth of Christian YA. That's amazing. It's for focus on the family and it was specifically written as an alternative to sexy books for teen girls. So there's all that background and the actual plot is just sort of like about a Midwestern girl. She's 14 in the first book. Um, who has like, you know, kind of grows into herself, experiences life, and learns to trust God, and of course has a sort of on again, off again relationship with a guy named Todd.
2: Todd, which is like
1: the least sexy name ever. I just have to say that
2: it is. Listen, and and all of the names are very unsexy in this. Like, there's Rick, Uh Terry, Paula. Like <laughs> like that listen, if that is Tracy. your name, yeah, yeah. like if that's your name, I I I don't that's fine. that's fine. But like let's be honest, I like I don't think Aaron is a very sexy name, so I get it. I, I stand with the Paulas and the Terrys and the Ricks at the top. Of
1: course, but like when I was fifteen thinking about running my own YA novel, I was gonna name You know the heroine like Gabriella or something like you can't something
2: very exotic sounding to me in Texas. Not Paula. Yeah, Yeah. 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 not Paula. No, no, no.
1: (laughs) Okay, so the thing about these books, though, is I. I don't think when I read them as a young teen, I thought about the strategic element of them. But going back and looking at them, it is a full series. I do think Robin Jones-Gunn knew that. Is there like 12 books in the series? See, I should know more, but... I mean, there are a lot. So It starts with a book called Summer Promise. Chrissy's 14. She meets a 16-year-old named Todd. The last book, the 12th book, is called I Promise. The first book is Summer Promise and then the last one I like I like that I like that full circle it ends with a spoiler alert Christine Todd getting married they get
2: married and they do it well do they but we don't really know who knows because that is (laughs) not how I promise not an open door situation (laughs) at all in any way But maybe we should, should we redeem it? Like, should you and I write an alternative ending to this series where they like do it for the first time? And because of purity culture, they don't like, it's the exact same thing that happened to me on my wedding night, which was like, I don't, I don't. Like, I know, but I don't know. And also, like, I'm not, am I, like, how do I turn this on now? Cause I was supposed to turn it off. I don't understand. Should we do that? I think we should like redeem the story. Oh my gosh. I am like the least
1: qualified person to do that (laughs) but I am willing I'm gonna try and yes and you here and we're gonna just try and go over it but no I mean reading the last book was fascinating and Aaron, this is gonna get a little too personal for me okay Okay. because I'm just I am just realizing I'm not like everybody else and that's fine yeah that's fine when I read these books you know there's not a hint of anything sexy in them like at all all. and that was great for me that is like how I rolled Mm -hmm. through most of my life and. I've never, I don't, I think I've alluded to this. I've never said it publicly. But I, I was like the poster child for purity culture. Mm-hmm. Loved it, never dated. I was like in these books, and
2: this is another spoiler alert. I'm the Todd here. Okay. <laughs> I'm a Todd. You're this you are the emotionally <laughs> unavailable uh man of this relationship.
1: I was on a mission with God mm-hmm. from day one, and you're either with me or you're not. And, and I was like, No boys,
2: to, don't you try to tempt me with your sexy board shorts. Well, your... first of all, I didn't think anybody was sexy. Second of all,
1: <laughs> I was like, none of y'all are going to move to Russia and start an orphanage. So I'm so not even... I'm out. I'm, I'm out. out. Until I met a very delightful, hairy young man named Crispin <laughs> at Bible College. And he was a missionary's kid okay, who lived in China. So I was like, okay, is, I'm in. is he, I'm is he on my level? But yeah, I have much more than emotionally unavailable gaslighter. Fast forward to, I get married. And again, poster child for purity culture, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Crispin's the only person I ever dated, the only person I ever kissed. You know, we did fool around before our wedding.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: On our wedding night, Aaron, I can't believe I'm saying this publicly.
2: I can't believe you are either. I'm so excited.
1: I did not know women
2: could have orgasms. Listen, and this, I think you, okay, what you just said <laughs> is so freaking real. Like, it was lovely surprise let me tell you <laughs> like, this is way more fun I than I like, thought it was Yay! gonna be okay but, but isn't that like like this book was so influential in my understanding of what a romantic relationship quote unquote mm-hmm. should look like and that there was absolutely no indication of any kind of pleasure like sex was just Bad, 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 bad. You know, do not stir up love until it is time for it to blossom. Thank you, Song of Songs. Like, all of this was so ingrained in us that when it was time to flip the switch Mm -hmm. and be quote-unquote sexy – Unless you had like a, unless you had like a rebellion moment, which I did in high school, there was no indication of what that looked like, of what was appropriate, of how to even walk through that. It was like, just go to the, you know, just throwing people to the lions and being like, it's time to be sexy now. Hope you can do it.
1: And I mean, that's such a good point because one of the things, and of course we don't, talk about sex or anything like that and like the majority of these christy christy miller books although the last one there is a lot more discussion of like todd and christy are finally engaged and so there's a lot to talk of like red light you know if they like Mm. kiss todd's like red light you know we need to like stop and you know wait until our wedding you know so all that stuff (laughs) they had in the last book they talk a lot about like the the idea of a bank full of kisses so if you Mm. save your kisses now you're like storing up those kisses in a bank for when you get married doesn't make any sense at all it doesn't make any sense erin i'm like you can literally that's a great thing about being married it's like you have somebody who wants to have sex
2: with you who wants to make out with you all the time like it's really nice and
1: awesome and
2: it, 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 the
1: bank doesn't exist it's like a, it's it's
2: a self-renewing resource.
1: <laughs> ex- thank you. You're putting the language of well, what I was just but like I guess when you're 15 and reading that book you're like okay, okay that's why you save all your kisses for when you get married. And there is a couple in these books uh Tracy and Doug and they were the ones who didn't kiss until their wedding day. And so of Tracy course
2: Tracy and Doug like,
1: And so, of course, they had, like, the best wedding kiss moment. Tracy gets pregnant immediately. They're just the happiest couple. Like, everything's great for them. So, really, what this ends up being is sort of a purity culture prosperity gospel series. And that's how I would characterize it in the end. And that's, however, that's not how I perceived it
2: when I was, you know, 13 years old. So, Erin, tell me how you came to Christy Miller. Um, You know, I cannot remember the first time I read it, but I was immediately full in on them. I assume that I had there were two older girls in my youth group, Liz and Jessica, who I adored. And I still love them very much. But they ended up being my dear friends. And I assumed that they were reading them. And that I was like, well, if they're reading them, I want to read it. And I was I was a voracious reader. I read at the breakfast table. I read in the bathtub. I read while I like my I constantly had burn marks on my cheeks, because I would read while I was curling my hair. And so when I would get ready in the morning. Yeah. And so but I like I loved pulpy fiction, like that was like, I loved the babysitters club. I loved, you know, all of these, these series that we grew up with. And so this was ideally made for me, it feels like, Um, just because it was that like, uh, that 12, 13, 14, I probably read them a little longer than I maybe, oh, we all did. Should we all have. Did. but I, I just, I loved the story. I loved this. It was this idea of like the practical ramifications of purity culture, which I know we weren't calling it purity culture no. then, but it was like, here is the way this is supposed to go. And it was, so everything felt more abstract when you were talking about it at your D now or your true love weights rally or whatever. And then here was the practical way it could live out. And that, that I love a guide. And so that was very helpful for me. Mm -hmm. What about you? Mm -hmm. I mean, how did you get into them?
1: Yeah. What's funny is my, so my mom was like sort of in Christian writer world and she went to a a writer's conference and came back with some books for me and my sisters were all homeschooled. I was the biggest reader, but she brought back, um, she kind of switched, she accidentally switched the books around and so she brought a signed copy of summer promise and gave it to my older sister Lindsay, mm-hmm. and then she got this other book signed and gave it to me it turned out to be a very intense like story of gangs in east la <laughs> oh my. and there was death and drugs and all this stuff and i mean i was 12 and i ate that I ate that up. What I was like, like got all those in. I was like, between the two of you. I've always been like, East LA, man. Like, I want to go
2: there. <laughs> that's and where, all that's this- where all the S word went down for so sure. My sister
1: was 15 and was supposed to get that book, but I, I got it. And, anyways, but I did read my sister's Christy Miller book because we didn't have tons of books. I was a huge reader. Mm-hmm. You know, I was isolated, homeschooled. <laughs> Libraries in Cody, Wyoming did not stock a ton of books. <laughs> sure. Um, so, I liked it. It was very much a stepping stone up from Babysitter's Club. That's Mm -hmm. exactly how I would explain it. But I do think that a lot of people grew up reading it when they were, you know, a tween. And then we would reread it as sort of like a comfort Mm -hmm. series, you know, which is, again, a thing you did before you had Netflix, as you would reread books all the time because that's Mm -hmm. like what you had access to. And I uh, did not relate to the character of Christy Miller at all. But it was a wonderful peek into what, normal girls are supposed to be like that's how
2: i read it you know what i (laughs) mean like Like a guidebook almost
1: yes because when you look at the first book in particular it's like a few pages in and we have already we already know exactly how tall christy miller is (laughs) a shade of her hair yes that she is pretty and how much she
2: weighs do you want to guess how much christy miller weighs i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 115 you're very close it's 110
1: Oh. oh god I have never been one ten. Maybe when I was eight years oh, old. Oh, when
2: I was eight years old, I was one ten.
1: Yeah. What the hell that is, is that crazy.
2: doing on page two? It's on page two. That's first of all. That's just like I love Robin Jones, God. Like I, I, I think she's great. You're great. She's doing great. She may not have <laughs> made that choice. Maybe would not make that choice today. I hope. Like Let's hope. I hope she wouldn't because that is not a great choice. Like as a writer. Or as like someone who is informing culture. We don't, maybe that, maybe not that.
1: Yeah, the first book is incredibly fat phobic, and it's a little interesting because it's yes. all centered around the character of her aunt, Marty. Yes, Marty, like, everybody. With an eye. Hey, didn't you want to Aunt Marty? That's well, what everybody says. I had I an this Aunt book. Marty.
2: I had my Aunt Billy, who we later called my Aunt Baby. She was single. She was adorable. She had bright red hair. She did not get married. Like she had this story of being engaged to this man, but uh she couldn't stand his mother, and so she gave him. The ring back. And she was like an executive at like this big company in Houston. And she, like, she would just Ooh, yeah. come in and, you know, give you, you know, things. And I felt like I had an Aunt Marty in Aunt Billy because she was just, she would just, she would just spoil you and like oh. make you feel so special.
1: I mean, this is a great plot line for the first book, right? Christy yes. Miller from the Midwest goes to Southern California, stays with her rich aunt and uncle, and is just spoiled by them. And her aunt is like, rich beautiful thin and in, in fact again in like the second chapter it's like remember you can never be too rich or too thin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're all eating like salads and they're eating salads <laughs> salads and um sparkling water before LaCroix was a thing you know oh period so yes. it's like the height of glamorous she sh- takes Christy shopping she has Christy cut her hair she which- gets her
2: colors done See, I knew you'd be into that. Listen, listen. when I saw that there was a resurgence of uh, people getting their colors done on the internet, I was like, I have to do this. This is like my inner Christy Miller coming out. I need this. I need this as a piece of my childhood.
1: Did you do that as a kid you did, right?
2: No, I wanted oh. to. But my my grandmother always all, my grandmother was very glamorous, very mm-hmm. beautiful. Like looked just always so put together. And she would always just hold my face very gently and be like, "Don't ever wear brown." Don't ever <gasps> wear brown, my dear. And it was, and she was like, it's just, it's gonna wash that beautiful face out. And she was like, she would talk about, like, when I moved to Alabama, she was like, oh, the humidity is going to just be amazing for your skin. Oh <laughs> she would just say, whatever. So I never actually got my colors done, but I knew never to wear brown. <gasps> well, I did get my colors done.
1: And again, I responded more in a Todd way than a Christy way. Whereas, like, <laughs> these church ladies are draping colorful fabrics over mm-hmm. me and telling me which colors look best. I'm like, I look the same. I never change. <laughs> I am unchangeable. This is ridiculous. Please, I, but you know, and internally, I'm like, Danielle. When they tell you that you're a winter, you say yes. Yes, that makes I am. sense.
2: I love being a winter. And then you just forget
1: the second it's over what that even means. So that's more my vibe. Okay. Sure. Um is I didn't understand the colors thing. But I could fantasize about moving to Southern California oh, and coming yeah. into my own and making friends and all that stuff. So the the first book really sets up this premise that Christy Miller is trying to find herself, right? And she has her rich aunt who's not a Christian. Mm-hmm. So that's like, is the fat phobia like a negative thing? Because in general, Aunt Marty is sort of seen as like a character who needs God, and right. needs to be God. Um, so maybe that's sort of it. But it really just tends to reinforce like
2: being very skinny and all yeah. that is
1: good, <laughs> but don't wear a bikini.
2: Yeah, very <laughs> like don't, <laughs> don't 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 let anyone see your body. Ever. And uh, yeah,
1: so again she cuts her hair short she tries to be this glamorous you know girl and ends up meeting todd who's a strong christian all this stuff okay and then she ends up you know becoming more of a strong christian because she's a cultural christian sure but there's a difference between being a cultural christian aaron as and todd actually
2: explains to us
1: yeah exactly or becoming a god lover okay god are lover.
2: you a god lover aaron oh god that phraseology well are you I Are mean, you a God lover? I mean, yes, I love God, but <laughs> blah, I don't want, I don't like, I subscribe to the idea that the only time I like the word lover is between meat and pizza. I think that's from 30 Rock. <laughs> that, I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever want to hear lover. I
1: was so worried about where you were going to go. And as soon as you said that, I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: yes okay
1: (laughs) that is thank you tina faye thank you tina Tina faye we Uh, have some we have some similarities i believe Um, do. so i didn't actually finish the first christy miller book i just i just couldn't do it the last one i did finish but we're here today today to talk about a different book a book i forced you to read i'm (laughs) so happy that you did series um i want first of all did I tell you why I wanted you to read this one in particular? It's no, f- I don't think you it's, did. It's the fourth book. Mm-hmm. It's called Surprise Endings. In mm-hmm. the cover, did you ever get a glimpse at the cover? Oh yeah, I did. Get tell a me glimpse about the cover. the cover. Tell me
2: about. So this is uh, Christy is uh, sitting on the ground and she is watching who I assume is Terry uh, mm-hmm. do her cheer a cheer routine, I believe. And then there's another version where she is just wait, no, there's not another version. No, it's just her. Oh, it's the anthology series. That's, yes. 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 Yeah, so you don't yes. speak about
1: the anthology covers. No, we do You're not. not good. No,
2: this is, uh, this is a good, like, this reminds me, do you remember those, uh, Lurleen McDaniels books? I feel no, like but
1: everybody you, talks about, I, them. I
2: feel like you were their target audience. I, know, I missed it. It's really upsetting that you don't know about Lurleen. I'm but so happy I missed that. But yeah, <laughs> but it's just like, it's, First of all, the haircuts on this cover art are just something Mm -hmm. that should be, you know, like the first time you see uh, like an actual rendition of a biblical angel and it's like got like a thousand eyes and all that these haircuts feel like that to me. It's like, what were we doing? (laughs) Why are we cutting our hair on teenagers as if they're 50 year old women? who go to the garden club i don't that understand is the focus it. on the family agenda I mean, they, they, they want us to cut our hair is that it well that's actually not true
1: because i i forgot to say is like christy miller cuts her hair in the first book as a sign of like trying to find herself aunt mm-hmm. marty cut to the very last book where both doug and todd the two very christian men in the series have mentioned like a million billion times how much they love girls with long
2: hair and you so love girls with long hair and so
1: christy you know grows her hair out the rest of the books besides book one because Todd and I mean men like long hair. Don't you know uh, this, Aaron? Don't you know this? Yes. It's terrible. So that, anyways, even patriarchy. that has to do with the patriarchy. I mean it sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. It sucks. So this is a book about cheerleading, I guess. Book four in this <laughs> series. I don't think this is a book anyone would pick out as like their favorite Christy Miller book.
2: No. It's a very like it's a very expositional book. It's just getting filler. us from one place to another.
1: So, but I'm curious, what were your, what are some of your initial thoughts when I forced you to reread it? What well, stood out to you?
2: I mean, I, like I immediately felt like I, I immediately like went back to my 13 year old self and Good. I was like, I forgot about all of this. This has been buried in the recesses of my head. And like, I remember certain moments of Christy Miller and one moment is in this book and it is when Christy and Todd go get ice cream. They walk mm-hmm. to go get ice cream and heat and then they when they walk into the ice cream parlor, they're having like the girl is flirting with Todd and then Rick walks in. And it's oh the like, other man. <laughs> it's like this, you know, triangle of trying to figure it out. I remember that. So I was like, okay, I know where I am in the story now. And I was just, I I was so just I I it felt like I threw myself back into my 13 year old body.
1: And it's so fascinating because this book is about Christy. She's 15 years old, right at this mm-hmm. point, and a sophomore in high school, I believe. Mm-hmm. Her family has moved to California, but not like on the beach. You know, more just like a yeah normal California. Yeah, normal California, which I also lived in like normal California for a part of my life. And uh she Todd lives a little bit far away and rick is a like a senior at christy's high school and is kind of a gross guy but he's oh. sort of like sort of into christy and the big kind of drama is that christy really wants to go to prom she really wants to go to prom with todd but her strict parents you
2: know won't allow her to that because is something that was so 15. surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Like that – I don't remember that part of the parents being like, oh, the girls dress so suggestively and the girls dance so provocatively. And I like was Like that's why Christy can't go to prom. Yeah, exactly. That's why she can't. So, so did you grow up with sort of strict parents like that? No. That was never – I mean my parents were – they were not – I would not say that they were strict until they had to be because mm-hmm. I was – I – did this weird dance where as a baby Enneagram three, like I really wanted them to trust me, but also I needed like space. And I, there was like, I went through. So when I was in high school, I dated when I was a freshman, I dated a junior who <gasps> I know who very was Christy a, Miller of you. I know who was, uh, he was Catholic and I, I know it was, <laughs> it was a very exciting time for me. Um, And he actually broke up with me, to become a priest, um, no, yes. So, which that's the dream. After we that's watched the dream, Titanic Aaron. together, <laughs> I know it was brutal because I was in love with him, like love with him. And I was like reeling emotionally from this. Story so listen, that you just it was told. listen, and I wasn't allowed to actually date. So guess who came on the. In the car with us to take us to Titanic and sit with us while we watch Titanic, my mother. <gasps> my mother, my high school boyfriend, and I all watched Leonardo DiCaprio draw Kate Winslet's boobies. And then those when we-
1: Those gorgeous boobs.
2: Those oh, l- my those incredible gosh. incredible boobs. And then we got in the car. We drove home. We all tried to pretend like we didn't see it. And <laughs> then when we got home, he was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And I was like, Okay. And he was like, I just feel a calling on my life to be a priest. And I was like, you, I, I can't be mad about that. I can't be mad about that at all. And um, he, I, I don't believe he is a priest now. So.
1: He, Jesus juked you, but in a Catholic way. In a Catholic.
2: That I have not, not heard,
1: that. heard of that. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of, I did that plenty of times to yeah. boys, mm-hmm. but in like the evangelical way, you know, but wow.
2: But I remember, I remember this moment, like, I mean, like. Y'all, this is so clear to me. I remember walking out of my um of my like uh class and walking to my locker and see and he was tall, like crazy tall, like six three. He had dark hair, he played basketball, he was so funny, he was so charming, like genuinely such a sweet person. So like I can't, I don't fully understand why. I was like, I don't know. Okay, cool. But I remember walking out and he's leaning against my locker and he's waiting for me to get out and i remember thinking oh my i am i am having inappropriate feelings like this must have been what it was like for christy when she would see rick in the hallway interesting. like interesting it was very like it was very like oh this is making me feel things that i i mean like i remember watching um my so-called life and you know jared leto he he just leans so good like that was the that was the vibe he just leans so, lean so good and it was it 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 was like a, a warning sign like because i was like oh my gosh this is what it was like for christy i've got a well, good
1: thing that guy
2: wanted to be a priest and he didn't get into trouble but... well i got into trouble later
1: <laughs> <laughs> with another boy I mean, so this is so interesting because when i read this book surprise endings like Christy does not seem attracted to
2: anybody and instead no. is very much concerned with, are they attracted to her? That is a fascinating observation. I really want you to talk more about that.
1: I mean, that's, I mean, again, now that I understand a bit more about myself <laughs> and I understand that I'm not like everybody, it's, it's interesting to go back and read these books. Cause when I read them as a tween and teen, I just, I never understood what a Christian girl is supposed to be like. And so I really latched on to the rules part, Mm. but not like the inner world part because I couldn't make sense of it. Mm. But most of this book is just Christy feeling insecure and being like, who likes me, who doesn't? And then the extra insecurity, which I think just makes me feel very sad, is am I doing the right thing for God? Am I living for God or am I living for myself? And Mm -hmm. when you're 15... Like, how does that question kind of strike you now? That's just how I lived my life back then. But now I'm like, wow, that's a lot of pressure.
2: Well, I think for me, it was, it's especially like as I got into older high school, it was a constant back and forth. It was like, I want to do the thing I want to do, but I, and then, then there will be like an event. (laughs) at our youth group. And I will repent of doing those things. And I will break up with the boy that I'm dating, or I will tell him that we can no longer go to Southeast park and like mess around, or I will, you know, try to spend more time with my friends or whatever. And it was this constant back and forth. And it was like, actually, I do want to mess around at Southeast park or I do, you know, and, and so we would just go back and forth, back and forth. And it was this constant, like, where am I with my relationship with God? Is he mad at me because I'm messing around at Southeast Park? Like, what are we like? Where do I fit here? And that was the constant thing. And so that is something that I really related to with Christy was like, <clears throat> There was this, this, this inner, she has those inner monologues where yeah. she's constantly like, what am I doing? Okay. I've got to figure this out. And that, that I really related that because the desire that I felt to be liked by a boy was so all encompassing. It almost didn't matter if I actually liked them. Uh, I just
1: I wanted mean, them
2: to like, like me.
1: Yes. And that, and that could be very just true to the teenage experience, especially yeah. at certain parts in your life. And so, uh, t- talk to me a little bit about Rick. And Todd in this book. And um tell me a little bit about Rick.
2: So Rick is this like he's this senior he, or no, he's a is he a junior? I think he's a, a senior. Okay. So he's like, he is like the guy at the high school, right? Yeah. He is good looking, he plays all the sports, everybody loves him. Um, and he's got that slick kind of feel. Like Rick. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, he's yeah. slick Rick. He um he I I think. Like, I remember this kid at my high school, everybody liked him, wanted to be him. The girl counterpart for him was either like this beautiful goddess who should not have like hair that looked like that while she was still, you know, technically in puberty. Her prefrontal cortex had not fully developed. So I think, you know, and, and, but it was interesting, like that girl was either hot and nice or hot and mean and nobody mm-hmm. liked her, mm-hmm. but she had to be like there was no room to be you anything. To yeah, yeah, you had to choose. And so uh but then Todd is this kind of I don't know, like he is like on this pedestal of I mean, he is technically the Jesus figure here. Yes. Like, he's perfect. He does not mess up. Every step he takes is intentional. He is thoughtful. He can, you know, other than the fact that he is slightly emotionally unavailable until it's time for him and Christy to be together. And... I I remember, I remember having a conversation with my mom about uh, some friends of ours that had gotten engaged. They were a good bit older than me, but, um, and she was like, well, I'm just really glad that, um, that this guy has decided to like really go all in. Like ever since they decided to get engaged, he's really like stepped it up. And I was like, feels like late to do that. Like... (laughs) what are you and it was just like but it was this idea of like you can't give your heart to someone until you are fully committed to them but also how do you know you want to be fully committed to them until you give your heart to them it doesn't like there's no it's it's not it's just breeding you know we see it now it's breeding the divorces of all of our friends you know oh
1: oh and even as you were talking i I have the shivers it's just like we, we got to unpack a little bit of that stuff with Todd, because I think it is very complex. and I think this book in particular brings out, um, you know, you mentioned he's supposed to be the Christ figure, which I think he is supposed to be for teenage girls, which is yes, freaky, which is weird about it. Yeah, it's very freaky. But in reality, I think this book is sort of a great example of uh, what gaslighting, you know, a 15 year old girl <laughs> yes. looks like yeah. in a spiritual context. So we have Rick, who's super gross and I think the book does a great job of showing a a certain kind of like male predator right mm-hmm. he's trying to mold christy into his perfect yeah girlfriend mm-hmm. and so he's the one that's like you should go out for cheerleading you should try out for cheerleading and you know like i like it when you wear the color red and i like it you know like i'm sure he had opinions on her hair being long and and i think the book does a great job of being like that's gross <laughs> right I mean, isn't that. that the sense isn't that yes. the sense you kind of got like and of course it's complicated for christy because she has the attention of this really good looking guy he ends up really wanting to go to prom with Christy and he says it's because his parents are conservative and she's like a nice girl that he can bring to his family so Mm -hmm. he's already thinking like a senator you know who needs a senator's wife that is the vibe like future senator energy here Yeah, and so he's like trying to bold Christy to be a senator's wife at age 15 and she's like pretty flattered by the attention and everybody's like oh like you're only getting onto the cheerleading squad because Rick Doyle likes you and is you know and I, so I'm like, I, I'm i glad Robin Jones Gunn wrote about these kind of gross yeah. kind of guys. But then Todd is supposed to be the good yeah. person. And you said he's emotionally unavailable, which he totally is. Like, he just pops into Christy's life. He never, like, she's always insecure. And always insecure. And she is
2: constantly thinking about him. And she's constantly interpreting his silences. She's yes. interp- she is like, she is having to become, and I feel like this was so True to my experience. It was like, I'm going to overanalyze and overthink every interaction I have with every boy. And I'm actually going to put unfair expectations on them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I have been taught to only look at boys that I would consider for husband material at 14. Like, that is wild.
1: Well, I'm still in the, I'm still coming to terms with the fact that that's not normal. Yeah. You, You know what I mean? Like, that's how deep in it I,
2: was oh no! And, I I absolutely understand what you're saying.
1: So it's still hard for me. But like, uh, let's talk a little bit about what happens with Christy and Todd and Todd's prom. Oh my! I gosh. mean, and that this will, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. I'm like, I can literally talk to you about this all day, but I'm like, we got to talk about the prom thing with Todd. So Christy really wants Todd to ask her to his prom, right? He lives like, mm-hmm.
2: what, an hour away or something right. like that. He's yeah. a
1: senior as well. He has blonde hair and... Screaming
2: me, silver blue eyes.
1: Okay. I was like, I just need you to say those words because screaming that is... Silver screaming blue silver blue eyes. Screaming silver blue eyes. It's like, what? In every book, it says like a million times about Todd.
2: They talk about Christy's eyes too. And they're both blue and like i mean rick talks about her killer eyes oh yeah she, that's what his nickname first killer right. eyes killer. so
1: like christy and todd both have serial killer eyes <laughs> and i guess that means god wants them to be together i guess so. um, <laughs> their is... kids their kids are gonna have yeah insane eyes yeah you know, they know really I mean? are feel bad for them so um so todd i don't know i i, I want to talk about this but maybe you should say First, what you thought about Todd's whole super spiritual approach to, to prop.
2: Okay. So I just I I again I just keep thinking about the unrealistic expectations this puts on everyone. Like, first of all, don't love uh him. It feels a little like oh, I got to take the girl in the wheelchair because I'm a good Christian. Yeah, explain I want, that, explain that. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if ableist is the right it term. Is. Okay, it I, is. I'm not positive. <laughs> but it just felt like, do you know those, this really bothers me. Like um, when I see a, like a news story or like a Instagram reel that's like, oh my gosh, this really popular girl asked boy with Down syndrome to go to prom with her. And it's mm-hmm, like all mm-hmm. about the girl and it's yes. all about how what an amazing person she is because she i guess is the in, the the uh indication is that this is a charity case like yes. and i i hate that that's disgusting to me and this had those kind of vibes and i think there's a little bit of retconning that they do at the end where it's like we just want like we went and hung out with her friends and we had a great time like i that i felt a little bit better about it but i still It still felt icky. Like, I I can't quite
1: verbalize it. Okay, okay. you
2: you, you talk about
1: it. So Christy, you know, is hoping that Todd will ask her to prom, right? Because it's his senior year, last chance. Meanwhile, she's sort of making plans to go to her own prom with Rick, even though her parents, you know, haven't said okay. So Todd comes to hang out with her one time. Again, sort of like unannounced, shows up, hangs out. The entire time she has this internal monologue like is he gonna ask me to prom is he not is he is he this would be perfect is he is he you know and then he's like it sort of drops on her the fact that he's taking someone named jasmine to his prom and he's like you're cool with that right and i forget how it comes up but how does it come up that she's in a wheelchair
2: and because he brings her the prom pictures
1: oh after prom
2: Uh, yes Yeah, after prom, he brings up the – because she has this, like, idea of, like, oh, my gosh, Jasmine is this hot, sexy, you know, high schooler. And when he brings her the prom pictures and pulls – and it's Todd and Jasmine who is in a wheelchair. And, like, the way she is described is very uncharitable and – um. And that, and Christy's like, oh my gosh, it's totally fine because she's in a wheelchair. She's uh, the, the idea is she's not my competition, which but is I do
1: think even, there's even some talk about that. Like, I can't be jealous of somebody in a wheelchair. And, but what's fascinating is like Christy's trying to catch up emotionally and it's all gross and icky and whatever. Sure. But Todd the whole time is like, you're fine with this, right? You love this, right? Like, yeah. this is awesome, right? And, and let's not
2: forget, this is a guy who... Gave her a bracelet that says forever on it. Like, what the hell? What are you doing, my guy? Like, pooper, get off the pot, my man. Like, and he totally
1: <clears throat> ignores all her feelings, never asks about them, and is just like, you're so happy for me, right? This is great, <laughs> right? That, Don't you like, love it? That's gaslighting. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? To yeah. be like, you're 15 years old, and this is my senior prom, and I never asked you to go, never even. Asked you to come hang out with all of us. Never, like, no
2: indication that I would want you to come. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to, It it is almost the perfect, if he wasn't set up as this like Christ-like character, it yeah. would be the perfect writing of a 17-year-old boy. Because, well, again, that, that, their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed.
1: So here's where, and this is this is kind of where we have to land this conversation.
2: But you <laughs> tell like, me if you we, agree with this or we not. We could not talk about this anymore.
1: But I want to. I, oh, Aaron, we could talk for hours. <laughs> so what makes Robin Jones Gunn, Christy Miller, and Todd to be, like, a big old bummer is that Todd's, like, weird gaslighty, weird, like, Jesus like issues, all of this stuff is is bound up in this conversation about God's will hmm. for your life as a Christian teen girl and what you're supposed to do and what does your agency look like? What does agency look like in the Robin Jones gun books? Well, it's non existent. Yeah, you nobody have has to it. Submit to the will of God. Todd has agency. Yeah. And in, in reality, he Well, and Todd a- can have
2: a- agency because he is a God lover. He's and an he's established God lover. Yes.
1: And he's a man. I mean, I think that's so, I mean, it's all, it's all in there, but Todd eventually in, 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 some of the later books ends up like totally ghosting Christy. And again, this is what I would do. He goes and becomes a missionary right mm-hmm. in <laughs> Indonesia yes, or something like that. That's what Christy yeah. thinks. Christy ends up going like in her college, you know, she finally gives up Todd to God. She's over it. She's submitting her life fully to God. She ends up going to be like going to, England to do to England. this mission work, yes. And then she gets sent a last minute. You know, she's supposed to be with her team, but then they ask her to go to s- somewhere else instead. And she submits to God's will, goes there. Well, guess who picks her up at the airport? Yes,
2: who freaking? Pit- Listen, I remember that moment. You remember that when moment? He, when he yells her name at the airport, I was her like Hawaiian name, her Hawaiian <laughs> name. Yes, the Hawaiian like nickname that he's given her. Like I. Lost, lost it. my yes. mind. I was yes. like, "He was there all along." Oh my gosh! And it, it, but but this is what it promised. I mean, this was the whole per- like. It was like, if you will give your romantic feelings, your desires, all of this, if you will hand it to God, He is going to orchestrate it and work it out for you, and you don't need to freaking worry about it. And like that is a theology that is still like in my head and in my husband's head too. Like he, every time, like that is just something that swirls around and it is really hard to break out of.
1: Okay. So I, it's so hard because I can see why you could be like, yeah, that's just a way to live life. It's not that harmful. It's not that bad. It's how most of us are raised. It's like, 100% the backbone of these books. In fact, I just, there's like this interview with Robin Jones Gunn that's from 2017. And at the end of the interview, this is how she lives her life. She said, and it's about her books too. She said, it's all about learning to let go and to give it over to God. If you think your dreams have to be realized a certain way or look a certain way, that's not so. Pray, dedicate your path to God, and just go along for the ride. And so I'm like, okay, that sounds fine, whatever. But then you look at these books, and how do you know? that you're listening to God is there are other godly people,
2: usually men Mm -hmm. who tell you what that is. Yeah. They, they are, you are, but a leaf in the river and you will be swayed and moved and molded by whatever the river decides.
1: So, Aaron, how are these books not simply about when you're transitioning from being under your dad's care oh, to your exactly, husband's care? That's exactly what they're about. When you let go <laughs> and let God... That means you you learn to submit yourself mm-hmm. to whatever that person God has put in your life to be an authority over you. And when you let go and let God, how is that any different from just learning how to suppress
2: your desires and emotions? Oh no, that's exactly what it is because that's what that's her inner monologue. She is constantly trying. I mean, I I the the Song of Songs verse is "Do not awaken love until it is it is ready," and that is this the thesis for these books. Like tamp that. S word down. Do not look Tip at it. it. Down. Just, just shove it down, and then when it's time, you don't have to shove it down anymore. But and you'll know, you'll know. What well, to you do.
1: will. You still have to shove it down a well, lot, yes. but just not
2: maybe sexually with, with your husband, but yeah. like
1: all the other desires of your life, yeah. like what are you going to end up doing with your life? Like
2: Does you have Tracy to do want to wants- immediately get pregnant. We don't know, but it's happening. Like we don't no. know. There's no conversation about like, are they using birth control or whatever? It's just like, no, you're a baby making factory. This is what we do. I mean, so what's so fascinating is,
1: as, as I've gone in sort of research, like romance in general as a genre Mm -hmm. what makes it so popular you know is one of the things is that the female character gets a happy ending it's guaranteed Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. that's why people like to read it and so christy miller series fits squarely into that but christy goes through a tons of ups and downs and that's why i think so many teenage girls relate to her right Mm -hmm. is so much internal consternation insecurity the inner monologues you know but she does get her happy ending with Todd at the end and the thing that makes it so difficult is it's like yeah that's what God wants for you mm-hmm. like this is taken as prescriptive and it was written to be prescriptive yeah and that's really different than a lot of other genres yeah and it's really sad I don't know I'm now now I'm down in the depths of despair um <laughs> no come back come back let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about something weird but do you know what I mean like yeah and, and here's the thing we haven't really talked about is like these books sold so well
2: like and a they were, lot of copies how did you do you know how many copies sold
1: well i said 5.5 million on twitter it turns out that's like how many copies robin jones gun has sold total of all okay. her books okay so that is not the christy miller series but i still think it's millions of people have read these books yeah. i mean she sold at least a million copies of the christy miller series and you know these books were in church libraries they were passed down from grandmas to mothers to yeah. daughters to siblings so like The reach is there and it's just never been studied, never been talked about. But it's 100% was the aim of Focus on the Family to teach girls, right, to submit to godly male authority and to follow purity culture to the T. And it's, it's the opposite of teaching girls about agency and consent. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think you can do that in a Christian framework. I really oh, absolutely. do. That's absolutely. my whole life. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes.
2: But this is not it, Erin. No, it's not. It, like, it holds a nostalgic place for me. But I mean, rereading it, it was like, whew, oh, yikes. Okay, I'm going to actually hide these from my 12-year-old. I <laughs> actually don't want her to read them. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, my kid would never, my kid would never read these and would not relate to them in any way, shape or form, (laughs) Um, which is, which is fine. But yeah, I kind of wondered, like, now that we spent a little bit of time nitpicking it, how how are you feeling? How are you feeling about these books? Have I ruined something? I'm very scared of doing that for people.
2: No, I think it's, I think, listen, if we want to be honest about our Past and the ways that we grew up. It's really important to look at those things full in the face. And I I have this conversation a lot with people in my parents' generation, which is they they sense that every time someone in my generation critiques a way that they were raised or critiques um, a system with which they grew up, that that it's a, that we're blaming them. And I mm-hmm. think in some mm-hmm. cases, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like toxic, uh, toxic theologies, abuse. Yes. You get, if you abuse someone, you're going to get blamed. But I also think that there were the this, there were a lot of well-meaning people who just really wanted to do the right thing. And these were the tools that were handed to them. And I don't resent that. I don't I don't blame people for that because I'm not an idiot. And I know one day in about 20 years, my kid is going to be having the, this exact same conversation about whatever way I screwed them up. And so I, I always want to approach with a posh. And I was very lucky to have the parents that I had. Um, I was, I mean, like they, they were strict when they needed to be. But my parents didn't, they weren't like, you can't go to prom because people show their bellies. Like it's, it's, oh, that, that was never a thing. And so I want to always be careful when I'm critiquing something from my past to look at it with a clear eyed vision and also understand I'm also perpetuating that in some way. I hope I'm not, but there is something that I'm doing that a future generation will look back on and go, I can't believe y'all were so dumb. And it's like, yeah, no, I get it. We were like, this was dumb to us. And this was dumb to our parents. You know, I just, I want to be generous in that where I can be generous because some people, they just deserve like the, all the blame. And I, I want to assign it where it goes. You know what I mean?
1: I I totally agree with you. And I think that brings up two two points that I just keep thinking about over and over again, which one is which like the critiques wouldn't sting so much. If there wasn't so much cultural baggage around, this is the way to be a person and we're teaching it to you and you must comply or else you're going to hell. Like literally you're going to like, create soul ties with every person you mess around with stuff like that you know they're the ones that put all the weight on it so i'm like i don't feel bad about you getting (laughs) your feelings hurt because you put a lot of feelings into making us conform and controlling and control to control yeah and secondly the way i look at it because i do feel bad sometimes i'm like i'm coming for everything i'm coming for everything (laughs) okay but here's the deal even with christy miller i was like it's gonna be fine it's not a big deal the more I researched it, the more I realized like it was written with such strategic aims hmm. and I'm going to critique at that same level. You know yeah. what I mean? The amount of I strategy I put into saying we need girls to not have sex, not mm-hmm. date, not kiss. Like we need them to be shepherded from their dad to their husband, you know, like, well, mm-hmm. Um I'm just. I'm going to take that same energy.
2: I, I, it. I think that is a really, really wise way to look at it. Like, what is the level of strategy? And then, I mean, that's that's really wise. I think
1: you can tell when somebody's just right out of their butt. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> When they're like, no, this is my my life philosophy, and everybody else needs yeah. to have it. Mm-hmm. Which
2: I have done. I've done that. Plenty of course I have. Life. Yes. I mean, that's how that's how we share our values with the world. I
1: know. <laughs> I know. So I my kids are already coming for me. It's wild. <laughs> and so you know, I do need to be able to dish out. I mean, take what I dish, take out. What dish out. Okay, Erin, it is just delightful <sighs> to talk to you. Can you can you please tell listeners where they can find you
2: on the internet? Yes, I am on the interwebs. I am mainly on Instagram. Um, at Erin H Moon. I have a news. Newsletter, Substack Newsletter at Aaron H It's you, delightful. Thank delightful. you. That's very kind. And that is that's where I am. And then what you about know your uh, oh yeah, like the podcasts. I forget. <laughs> um so uh you uh we are the Bible binge and we have like a, a a varying slate of episode types. Um we sometimes we take classic Bible stories from scripture and recap them like you would a book, a movie, or a TV show. And then I come in on the end. and and save Knox and Jamie from any uh, in inadvertent or advertent heresies and uh quote unquote heresies and um then we also have episodes called Favored or forsaken where we do kind of current event stuff um we I do love those ones we do stuff you didn't get in sunday school mm-hmm. uh most recently uh I think we're about to release the baptism uh one so uh it's <gasps> they're fun Ooh, I just learned a lot about the Dead Sea Scrolls
1: Yes. Um, a Bible binge. So I really encourage everyone to go check out those podcasts. Well, they're better you. than they're better than mine, but <laughs> you know what? That's, that's
2: not, not true. true.
1: <laughs> you know, like you should go there. Like, it's just better. It's just all around better. So go listen to Aaron. This and, was
2: so much fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking one for the team and reading this book, Aaron. It really was, meant a lot. It was a delight. Truly a delight.
0: This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and send us emails at propheticimaginationstation at gmail.com. You can join our Patreon community for as little as $1.50 a month for more discussions of evangelical media and the occasional virtual hangout. You can find show notes and transcription of this episode at our website, propheticimaginationstation.com. If you've enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes. And lastly, between the two of us, we've written a few books— You can find Danielle's latest book, Myth of the American Dream, and Crispin's book, Attached to God, wherever books are sold. Thanks for listening.